Welcome to CAE Pilot Podcast, a podcast that brings together aviation professionals to discuss life as a pilot, training, and career advice. You can find us at cae.com forward slash CAE Pilot dash podcast or subscribe to our show on your audio podcasting platform of choice. You can also find our video podcast on our YouTube channel. Welcome to the CAE Pilot Podcast. Today, we're thrilled to have Eva Claire Marseille, also known as uh, Fly with Eva, who happens to have graduated from uh, CAE as a CAE pilot. How's it going, Eva? Thank you for having me. Yeah. <laughs> thrilled to have you. Um, you know, you've been flying, uh, you know, throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, and we really thought it would be cool to get your perspective on being a pilot at this very interesting time. And I know that you're actually on a layover right now. So where are you? Yeah, at the moment, I'm on a layover. I'm in Anchorage, Alaska. Um, I'm going to fly to Hong Kong in a couple of hours from now. Yesterday, I flew to Chicago and back. So I'm here in my hotel room in Anchorage. <laughs> and a lovely hotel room it is. <laughs> you know, before we get into uh, what it's like to be flying around these days, maybe you could, uh, for the people who don't know you, um, is uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself, your journey to becoming a pilot, and a little bit of, of where it has taken you so far. Yeah, sure. I did my ATPL course with CAE from 2008 to 2010. And then it took some time because the job market was not ideal when I graduated. But then I got a job in a well-known low-cost airline in Europe, um, flying passengers on the 737 um, for this airline. <laughs> and then I got an opportunity in Hong Kong. Um, and I managed to secure a first officer position flying the 747 freighter around the world, basically. So that's what I'm currently doing. I've been doing so for the last two years with this airline. Well, that's awesome, flying the 747. You're so lucky. Um, I think that's what a lot <laughs> of pilots aspire to, to fly the queen of the skies. Um, you mentioned that you started your career in Europe, but then you ended up in Asia. How did that come about? Um, yeah, so I didn't become a pilot to be in one place. Um, I, I always wanted to live abroad and experience life in different countries. So with the previous airline, I've lived in Italy and I've lived in Spain. And then I, I always had my, my eyes set to Asia as well. It seemed like an interesting place to live for at least a while. And um, yeah, that's, when, that's why I, I have my eyes on several Asian carriers. And uh, yeah, Hong Kong proved to be a great, a great place, a great base to live. The other change you made when you, you went to Asia was that you went from flying people to flying cargo. How's that, how's that switch gone? Yeah, it's a, it's a great switch because I think cargo is aviation's best hidden secrets. Um, for some reason, it has a little bit of a reputation um, of uh, you know being in a in a hidden in a hidden corner somewhere. There's the cargo pilots or the pilots flying cargo, but um, it's a it's 
it's pretty good. Um, very relaxed atmosphere with my colleagues. Um, there's no passengers on board. So if in case there is a delay, you know, no stress because the boxes, they don't care. <laughs> um, and the atmosphere with my colleagues is, is just, is just really good. So like we, we enjoy flying and, uh, we like to, to do it safely, but also have, have a relaxed and fun time. Um, yeah, it's, it's good. We, and we share the burden of doing night flights and of regular roster changes. Um, yeah. Sounds like you are very passionate about uh, your work, which is uh, always fun. I see. am. <laughs> and um, you, uh, you, of course, live in Hong Kong and COVID-19 was sort of a coronavirus as it was then, um, you know, hit uh, in, in that part of the world first. Um, how did that change your personal life? First, it, it, was, it was quite scary because it was something that was only uh, centered in China and then in Hong Kong, we're on the border with China and then not in the rest of the world. And then suddenly all the eyes were on my part of the world um, and then people are used to wearing masks, like the local people, they always wear masks when they have a cough or something, just as a courtesy in public transport, because it's very crowded and you just don't want to infect someone else with your normal flu <laughs> in that case. Right. And then now also all the expats and myself, we all started to wear the mask and not being so comfortable being in very crowded places. And then, you know, we got maps where the disease had been um, spotted, like where COVID-19 patients were. And then, um, yeah, it, 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 got, it got, got pretty scary in the beginning. And then it got to the rest of the, of the world. And then suddenly it went down in, in Hong Kong. So we, we've had the, uh, the peak so, so to speak, and then still we are, we, we, we have a lot of roles like in the rest of the world, but I would say compared to a lot of countries, they're fairly relaxed. You know, so that's, that's sort of your day-to-day -day life, but your work life must have changed quite a bit too. Tell us a little bit about how it has changed uh, your role as a pilot. At the moment, I'm one of the few pilots that are still actually flying around because most passenger uh, airplanes are grounded around the world it's uh it's crazy but cargo is is an exception like we we need to transport those medical supplies the mask and just general goods um so cargo has been an exception for all these rules of countries in lockdown so initially um hong kong came with a rule that every person that came from abroad needed to be 14 days in government quarantine, uh, wearing a tracker bracelet. And we were all very scared that that would be applicable to airline crew, because how can you keep on an operation if you have to go in, into quarantine after your trip for two weeks uh, with this tracker bracelet and, and not allowed to, to, leave, to leave your house and go on your next work trip. So in the end, be it with a lot of restrictions, the, the operation is excluded from, from this rule. But like now I'm in this room and I'm not allowed to, to leave my hotel room, for example. Whenever I'm in my uniform outside of the room, I have to wear the mask. Um, the airline tries to keep crews together 
for a longer period of time. So I've been doing, normally I have every flight different crew. And now I've been doing several trips together with the same team, which actually has been, has been nice. Uh, but, but there's a reason because then you avoid that we possibly infect each other. We're very lucky on our, on, on, in, on my fleet. There's, there's nobody affected. And that's my biggest fear that I would infect someone. And are there any additional health checks? We see a lot of temperature taking, et cetera. Are you, are you seeing? Yeah. So it's called med I'm under medical surveillance as a crew member. And it means that twice a day I have to take my temperature and uh, tell this to my, to my airline. Then they keep it on file. Yeah. And if there's any symptoms, of course, you have to uh, ring the bell right away. And what has changed in the flight deck itself? So you're obviously, the 747 has quite a small flight deck, right? It's uh, tight quarters a little bit. And uh, what are, how, do, how has that worked out? Well, in the way we operate, nothing. Because, I mean, you can't avoid, you, you can't do the one and a half meter rule in the flight deck. It's just not possible. Um, but you know, we all, we do all the hand washing, there's hand sanitizer on board as well. Um, there's regular extra cleaning of the flight decks. Um, there's a limitation to the people that come on board, like normally in a turnaround, uh, there's many people from engineers, dispatchers, whatnot coming on board and now it's quite restricted. And then, yeah, we, we clean all the surfaces in the flight deck ourselves as well, all the touch points. Um, and that's, that's, uh, that's, that's basically the, the big difference now. In the way we operate, nothing changed. And what do you think would be most surprising to someone who came back online um, in terms of what's changed? Have we gotten used to these things just in our daily lives? And yeah, it goes, it goes very, I'm, I'm just used, okay, I'm, I'm going to work. I'll put on, on the mask. Um, if I meet another crew member, um, when I check in the crew hotel or when we take over each other's uh, airplane because one crew brought it in and, and we will take it further, um, there's no handshaking and uh, or being also friendly with each other. It's like, hi, <laughs> from a distance. So that's different, of course. And, and there's hi with the other person wearing a mask. So yeah, you're constantly reminded that the world is no longer the world as we knew it, right? I'm, like everybody, but that's that's especially points moments uh, that I that it is very confronting. You touched on it earlier. You know, we hear a lot of about um, you know frontline workers, so obviously the doctors, the nurses, but also the people who are delivering meals and keeping you know the grocery stores stocked and getting goods from one place to another. So in my mind, I see you sort of as a as a frontline worker. Um, do you have a sense of pride when you think that you know you mentioned you deliver masks and all that? Do you have a sense of pride that you're you know? somehow helping out in the crisis through your work? No, I think um, I'm just doing my job. It's, it's, it's nice that suddenly Cargo like, got an upgraded status because, yes, we do supply those, those goods you mentioned, but it doesn't fill me with, with pride. I'm like, I'm just doing my job. Well, maybe you're a bit too humble. But <laughs> you're right. We do, we do hear about these flights, certainly, um, you know, bringing these supplies. And when you, when you do drop these off, 
you know, or you arrive at your destination. Is anything mm-hmm. different when these things are come to be picked up or is it just business as usual? Just business. Yeah, it's not like there is a team of people cheering like, yes, there is the mask. No, it's just business. <laughs> and, and usually, I mean, we don't know. I don't know if how much of my of the cargo I have on board is exactly um, medical supplies right. um, and what is normal cargo. Though we've done a few special flights that was just like masks only and then of course it's good pr right so then you would be made aware what is what is exactly for for yeah but i I haven't done one of those (laughs) you know this is a significant point in time in aviation right and if we look back to the last one it was probably 9-11 right and there Mm -hmm. were significant changes after that i think of the reinforced flight deck door I think of the enhanced screening that we sort of all now are, have become used to. Um, and I think there'll be changes after this as well. But what do you think those changes will be? Because you're out there. So what do you think will change as a result of this pandemic? Uh, I wish that I, had, I was so smart and I had that insight. Like what, yeah, I, I think indeed the industry as we know it it's gonna it's gonna change but like how and what kind of rules will be put in place and 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 will it get back to where it was probably not and otherwise not that quickly um yeah i I don't know how how the next months will will look like when can we start flying passengers again how can you do you know every country is slowly making up its mind like how are we going to do this um and 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 and, and they're 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 also it's it's new to everybody to politicians to in, in every industry um so i i really i don't have a crystal ball i wish i wish i knew <laughs> there's a number of buzzwords that we've learned throughout this uh, crisis right flattening the curve is one of the mm-hmm. And I think the next one that we're going to start to hear is the new normal. I think that your answer is much like the answer that everyone would give right now is that we're not sure what lies ahead. Tell us a little bit about what it's like to go to a place like Chicago, which is always bustling. And now all of a sudden to see these empty streets from... Oh, I thought we were going to talk about fun stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, like... um, I usually even bid for my trips based on the layovers. Like um, usually they're very short. So if I can see, if I see there's like 48 hours in LA, I'll try to get it. And then when I get it, I'm, I, I go hiking, I, I rent a bike and do this beach cycling and go out for dinner. And I'm just always outside of the hotel and, and planning fun stuff and, and, and usually meeting friends as well or people through social media even like I, I love meeting people all around the world like that and now it's just you go in your crew transport from the airplane uh to the hotel and um you're not allowed to leave the room not even to go for a meal not to go to the gym uh, just stay in your room until your next duty and that's uh that's a bit rough I mean, it is what it is, but it's, yeah, if I, I recently was five days in Dubai and I'd never been in Dubai and we never have long layovers in Dubai, but now we have because there was no passenger flights to help this rotation. So we had to wait till the next 
freighter plane would come, which was five days from when we arrived. So I was five days inside a hotel room in Dubai. I had never been there. <laughs> and uh, I have some friends there. And yeah, that's, that's uh, frustrating and not, not that nice. <laughs> well, and I, I completely understand you. I always tell people that, you know, I saw the world one day at a time, you know, typical layover being usually 24 hours back yeah, you when I was doing it. Um, so I can imagine, I like you, time in the hotel just didn't exist, right? We, yeah, or I could give another maybe telling example. I, I had a layover in Amsterdam last month, which is where I'm from. Um, and, and my parents are there and I couldn't see them, right? And it's been many months that I saw them and normally on the layover, I would just go right to my parents' house and we have dinner and catch up and hug them. And uh, now I couldn't, I, I was so close. I was half an hour from them and I couldn't see them. And that's just, uh, that's just as it is at the moment. Well, hopefully that'll change soon. <laughs> now for some fun stuff. All right. <laughs> now. When we get to this new normal and you can leave your hotel room, what's the one thing you're looking forward to being able to do? Oh, many, many things actually. Just, uh, I, I, I'm, I miss just moving around and just, just leaving the room and do anything. I, I'm like now I really miss, usually before a flight I would, I would hit the gym. Because at any, my body clock is just in different places usually, <laughs> like the jet lag is real. And then the thing that really energizes me is just to hit the gym. And I mean, you can do stuff in your hotel room, like hotel room workouts, but it's not, it's not the same as going for a run outside or hitting the gym. So I just, I just really miss that. And um, here in Anchorage, I have, uh, I have some friends that I usually hang out with because it became my second home here, right? I fly here a lot um, right. with the 747. Um, I look forward to, to just hang out with, with these friends again here. <laughs> What's, um, well, I saw, you, I saw you posted a picture of isolation yoga recently. Oh, yeah. <laughs> during a layover, I said, at least you're using your time. Uh, your time. Uh, yeah, yeah, I bring my yoga mats. Um, it's, it's here as well and I've done it yesterday um, yeah there's like live yoga yoga lessons uh, from even my favorite teachers in Hong Kong that's great because it feels like I'm just taking their class and it takes my mind out of the fact that I'm on my own in this hotel room um, and it feels like I'm just just doing a lesson with them so yeah that became uh, like a ritual now on layovers that's cool. You know, what I've discovered in speaking to you is that, yes, the work has changed and I, and I can appreciate, you know, I think your answer about feeling lucky to be able to still do what you love. I think that's, uh, I think that's a great message, a very positive um, message for people. And, um, you know, but I, I think what you're saying is what a lot of us, even me sitting at home thinks. I can't wait to get together with my friends. I can't wait to go out to dinner and be able to you know, exercise outside and all that stuff. So it's interesting to see that while I'm locked up in my house and I don't even want to travel to the grocery store, you're still traveling the world, but in a lot of ways experiencing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's interesting from, because I would have thought that you would have seen it maybe, or you would, your experience would be quite different. You have, you're clearly someone who said you wanted to be a pilot. You, you did that. Then you said you wanted to 
you know, go to Asia, you know, and you were focused on that. There's a lot of people out there, obviously, who are aspiring pilots, you know. So what would your message to them be right now? It's a very interesting time to, um, to, to start any flight training, right? Because um, it's, it's, for me, it's, it's a little bit like when I started, um, just after that, the market was really bad because even, even experienced pilots, they, they couldn't break. Well, they had their break in the industry, but there weren't even jobs for experienced pilots, let alone for cadets. So... Mm-hmm. And then, and I think we will have the same for quite a long time at the moment. Um, but I am, I'm, I'm really sure that there's better times ahead again and uh, there will be a demand again. It's just I don't know how long this is going to take. So it's, um, it's good. I've been in touch with people in flight training at the moment and the training seems to be still continuing like they found ways to like have one instructor paired with one uh, student and in that way people can still continue their, their training and I, I thought everything had stopped but that, that was still going on so I was, I was relieved to hear that it's just I, I'm in touch with a lot of student pilots at the moment and they're all worried about their future um, and uh, I think I think it's will, it will be very challenging to get 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 a position, but it's just your own attitude is what makes all the difference. So if you give up, that's it, right? So the only person that can that can make the difference in 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 your life is yourself. So if you keep moving forward, keep your skills. Uh, on points and keep applying and get yourself out there then yes it may take time Um, but when an opportunity is there you're ready and opportunities will be there but you have to like have this this perseverance and this strength for me took two and a half years myself when I graduated Um, and people around me gave up because they thought, I mean, it's, I'll just do something else. Because uh, you only live at that moment for the future, for when you get that job. And you, there is no peek into the future, like when will you get that job? And it may take even longer. I've met people that, that, that were searching for a job four years or, or, or five. So I was quite quick with two and a half years. So, yeah, it's not, it's not a fairy tale. There's, there is not going to be a job lying there for you most likely at the end of your of your pilot training but the opportunity will come sooner or later and then you you got to be ready and you got to um prepare yourself for that moment yeah that would be my message so so yeah like be <laughs> well here I'll tell you, I'll tell you, you know it's funny because our cadets right now and a lot of our training has gone virtual right we've had the opportunity to uh, to bring things to CAE has been actually very innovative in the way we've uh, dealt with this. So we now have a lot of virtual training happening actually in Europe okay. in the United States. So it's, uh, it's very, it's interesting from that perspective that, you know, we've been able to keep people on their, uh, on their path. Um, 
what would you, what inspirational words would you, if you had to take out the, oh my God, there won't be a job for you when you're done your training, you know, if you just had to, mm-hmm. had a, a young aspiring pilot in front of you, what would you say that is, is, uh, you know, how would you inspire them? How would you instill the passion for flying that you clearly have? Being a pilot, it's, it's more than a job. It's uh, if you choose to be a pilot, you choose for a certain lifestyle and you either love it or you hate it. Like I personally love it. I love that everything in my life that comes through my job. I love it. I love living abroad. I love meeting different people all the time. I love that we have this responsibility on our shoulders um, every day. Like, so I thrive on that, that your every day, your performance is monitored by yourself, by your colleagues. So you, there's, there's jobs that people don't care about how you perform, right? Um, and, and you don't get that feedback. And I love that because it just it, it's just motivating and it keeps me um, sharp and 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 your every flight you learn something even if it's very small like there's a lot of routine in a flight but every flight there is something that will improve or you learn or there's a small mistake somewhere that you know you can discuss and and ev- so you get better um, and I do that's 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 an aspect that I that I really that I really enjoy. It sounds uh, like what you're saying, though, is that you love it, but and despite you know whatever's going on in the world, if you can harness that passion, you can make it happen. Do you agree? I would agree, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you can't. There's, it, it's 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 this thing inside you, and like they. You know, the, there's this saying like, once you've tasted flights, you, you know what? What is it? Once you've tasted a f- the the passion of flight, you have your eyes to the sky forever. Something like that. <laughs> um, yeah. Then yeah. But my, but people that currently are not flying, it's it's also like, wow, I I really miss being in that flight deck, and then I hope I have a flight on my roster next month because I just uh, it's, it's part of who you are. Yeah. I tend to agree. And listen, with any luck, um, everyone will be back flying soon. Um, I just wanted to go back to one other thing that I'd asked you about before, and that was your move to Hong Kong. Um, You know, you you started out with the European airline, and then you ended up in Asia. Um, What brought you there? Like, what was it that, that you said, oh, my God, I have to do this, you know? I was looking for my next opportunity so I was I was happy in the airline I was working for but I I really wanted long-haul experience and then at that time there were not really any vacancies in Europe there were vacancies in the Middle East and a lot of my friends and colleagues went there um, but I I wasn't interested because I don't want to commute and I'm an outdoorsy person so I didn't have my eyes set on on the Middle East but Asia always seemed seemed interesting and attractive to me, so I I was checking what opportunities were there, and then my current airline had this had this vacancy, and I and I got in touch with a friend that was already flying a few years for the airline, and um, we t- talked about life in Hong Kong and about working for this airline, and it. But it almost sounded too good to be true. <laughs> so I, I really wanted that, that, that 
uh, opportunity. So, yeah, I'd never been in Hong Kong myself, but I, I had done some traveling in Asia and I, I could see myself live there and have this interesting experience um, being based there. So, yeah, that's mul multiple things. So the job and the interest to live in Asia. We talked a little bit about uh, passengers versus cargo. Maybe you can just uh, expand on that just a tiny bit. What's the difference between working in cargo as a cargo pilot versus a passenger pilot, if you will? Or a pilot who flies cargo versus a pilot? <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you, now you say it very properly. <laughs> um, yeah, so as a passenger, as a pilot flying passengers, your schedule is kind of set. So all the passengers have bought their tickets. So this flight will happen at these times. And, and with cargo, the slots regularly change or they move the pilots around. So um, it's you've got to be a bit more flexible as a cargo pilot. Like if you go to dispatch for your flight, it has happened multiple times that I planned for uh, a trip to Colombo or to Australia or you name it, and I end up in the in a snowstorm in Chicago, <laughs> right? So you you gotta pack um, basically prepared for anything, um, and um, yeah, then there's a lot of night flights and uh, jet lags because you keep hopping around like sometimes you, you I'm, I mean I'm in the states for eight days but then there's also time zone changes within the states so then one day you're here and then you're two days there um which I, I mean I like it and I also don't mind not not knowing always where I end up like yeah my work pattern is eight days but who knows where we'll go <laughs> Well, listen, I, uh, I know that you're getting ready for a flight, so thanks again, Eva, for, uh, for doing this. Where can people find you if they want to follow your uh, journey? Yeah, uh, on uh, Fly with Eva on Instagram. Um, do, do follow or have a look. I'm, I'm like an open book on my social media about my my work um you can ask me questions i always show what my next trip is going to be and what i'm doing on trips so it's like really giving insights in a 747 cargo pilot life awesome <laughs> well thank you so much have a safe flight tonight and listen um i hope we have the chance to catch up with you again um on uh, CAE pilot podcast okay that would be great thank you patrick thanks again <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye. CAE Pilot Podcast is brought to you by CAE, the global leader in training for the civil aviation, defense and security, and healthcare markets. For more information, check out CAE.com.